0: Hello, Looney listeners. Welcome to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast, and welcome to episode 52. My name is Tommy, the man on the streets and fellow Looney, and I'll be your guest host this week while the High Priests of Khonshu are communing in Heliopolis or traversing the Overvoid or Othervoid to appease the Lord Khonshu. This week's review is Ed Brubaker's Secret Avengers Volume 1, The Whole Trade Paperback, Mission to Mars. This collects Secret Avengers issues 1 through 5. Uh, you may be wondering, hey, where's Ray or where's Connor shoe? Well, best wishes to Ray and his partner Eve this week on the birth of their child. Here's to well-deserved time as a family. We do hope that everything went well and we can't wait to meet the uh, the new Mark or the new baby into the world. I also want to give a big thank you to Jason Burroughs for guesting uh, and for Max Bemis' special message on episode 50 just a week or two ago. Now this week, again, as uh, the guest host, I have the special opportunity to kind of take Into the Night in my own direction. And Ray and Kaneshu gave me uh, their authority to, to kind of go wherever we wanted. And an uh, issue that I was really looking forward to, really not an issue, but uh, a comic that I was really looking forward to digging into some time ago, uh, really just within the first few months of Into the Night coming around was uh, Ed Brubaker's and Mike Deodato's, uh Secret Avengers run. Uh, so tonight, again, we are going to be looking at um, Secret Avengers Mission to Mars, which is volume one. Uh, and tonight, too, uh, we are joined by one of my good friends and really uh, one of the individuals that first got me into Moon Knight, uh, but my buddy Matt. And so, Matt, I would like to welcome you to Into the Night um, and welcome.
1: Glad to be here. Glad to be here.
0: Now, Matt, I know that you are uh, kind of an on and off again. Uh, Into the Night listener, and I'm glad that you've joined our community. Mm-hmm. Um, we are now, I think, our uh, Into the Night Facebook community has just reached over 500 um, uh, Facebook members, which is really exciting. Uh, but Matt, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you know, Who are you, where you come from, and why did I ask you to be on the show tonight? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, so hello everyone, I'm Matthew, uh, here in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm a practicing attorney. I work for the federal government. Uh, I've been in two comic books now for about 15 years, uh, with somewhat of a break in between for a while. When I was in college, I didn't have quite as much money, um, but I've been into it for about yeah, 15 years now. Um, so I like to think I have a pretty good knowledge, especially of Marvel, and I may be the one, as Tommy had said, that helped get him into Moon Knight in the first place.
0: Yeah, right. So Matt and I, we uh, were roommates in college um, for a number of years. And uh, some of you may recall my origin story with Moon Knight was actually getting together with Matt and uh, another one of our close friends, Alex. Uh, And this is maybe the summer after our freshman year of high school or college, rather. And we were playing Ultimate Alliance, and I I have a fond memory (laughs) of all of us playing Ultimate Alliance, and one of us kind of, it may have even been me, coming across the Moon Knight character and asking, you know, like, who the hell is Moon Knight? And we clicked on the Moon Knight character, and you may remember, Matt, that as soon as you click on him, his sound went, Moon Knight. Moon
1: Knight. Moon Moon Knight. Moon Knight. Yes, I remember spamming that very well, and I've, I've played that game before with several other groups of my friends and everyone was always attracted to Moon Knight because people don't know him as well as, you know, the usual heroes, Spider-Man, the X-Men with Wolverine. Yeah, Wolverine. But then they see Moon Knight and he looks awesome. And <laughs> they're like, who's Moon Knight? This guy, I like his look. I mean, and they're drawn to And he to throws it.
0: down too because I think in Ultimate Alliance he's using his bow staff and, you know, he's he's got these kind of pretty cool moves and that was uh, Ultimate Alliance came out before the Vengeance of the Moon Knight run yeah. um, in 2009. Actually, I think Ultimate Alliance came out just a, a two, one or two years before that. And Vengeance of the Moon Knight was really where um, Marvel introduced Moon Knight using guns of mm-hmm. a sort, you know, like crescent guns. Uh, and actually, we see a bit of that in the Secret Avengers run, given not in this first issue, in, in the, the second volume. Um, but it's, yeah, Moon Knight in, in Ultimate Alliance was, he, he threw down, you know, he uh, just kind of this like, white clad character, he didn't care who was coming at him. He didn't necessarily mm-hmm. have any special powers. He just he knew what to do. So
1: Oh yeah, he was absolutely OP in that game. He he could yeah. throw down. So he he was fun to play with and he looked awesome. So yeah. he was very appealing.
0: <laughs> so, you know, before we uh dig too much into Moon Knight first, I Matt just a, you know, uh let you set the stage here. Tell us a little bit about how you got into comics. You mentioned that, you know, you've been into comics for about fifteen years. So, you know, early two thousands. So mm-hmm. that was, you know, about the time that you were yeah. going into high school. So, you know, what got you into the world of comics?
1: So I would say the big thing that that first got me into a comic book shop and I came from a, a mid sized city with only one store and, and I'm lucky for that because, you know, some people are in more rural areas or not quite as big of uh, cities, they don't have anywhere they can really go. They're they're very limited. Um, so 2002, that's when the first Spider-Man movie came out, I believe. And you know, I was about 14, 15 years old at the time. And after having seen the movie, I was just really, really hyped about Spider-Man. And that's really what kind of drew me in to uh, check out a comic book store. And I remember it was Cashman's Comics. It was not too far away from uh, my parents' house. Uh, so I usually would always pass by it, you know, like on the school bus, going back and forth. And, uh, yeah, I went in there one day and started out with a couple back issues, some classic Spider-Man. I remember McFarlane's number one issue, Spider-Man. That was one of the first things I bought when I was just looking through some things in the in the boxes. And then uh, also there was Ultimate Spider-Man, Bendis, uh, with Mark Bagley. Uh, that had just started around that time. Uh, that was also when uh, JMS Straczynski, he was on Amazing Spider-Man. And Spider-Man, he was like the first big entry point uh, for me into, you know, reading things on a monthly, you know, basis, the regular, you know, stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I think that's that's so cool, too, because I feel like for many comics readers, it's, it's always Spider-Man, which, you know, lends a voice to Stan Lee, you know, the man. Yeah. Um, but, you know, whether we're talking about uh, readers in the 70s or the 80s or the 90s or the early 2000s, like you and me, it really always seemed to be Spider-Man. Um, you know, he just he was, he's cool. Um, and, you know, given this was kind of Bendis' Spider-Man, uh, too. But um, you know, beyond just Spider-Man, because I know that you know, you're a Batman fan too, and I know that you're, you're a big fan of, of Marvel comics you know, over the last 15 years. Yeah. But before we talk any more about uh, those issues, I, I am curious. I mean, were there any DC comics that really reached your way or any uh, you know, um, image comics? I know that today, and we'll talk a little bit more about uh, the comics that you're reading today in a bit, but you know, when you were in high school or just burgeoning in high school, were there other imprints that, that you looked into, or were you just digging into the world of Spider-Man?
1: Uh, well, Spider-Man was, was the entry point, and I remain a big Marvel fan. Um, there's a lot I like from DC, but some of it just comes down to like time and money with what you can focus on. Um, you know, Growing up, like you said, it's like Spider-Man, he is that Marvel hero that a lot of people get their first taste with, and that's what they're very much into. You know, Batman growing up in the 90s with Batman, the animated animated series. Like, how could you not be into Batman after that? The X-Men cartoon, the Spider-Man cartoon. Those were good. I mean, Batman, that's the pinnacle for me. Anything animated on TV, that's like the pinnacle for uh, a superhero. But those two series as well. So, you know, once I really got into uh, exploring some more series, you know, this was the time when the Ultimate Universe was really just getting started in Marvel. That was a great jumping on point. So, other than Ultimate Spider-Man, you had Ultimates by, you know, Mark Miller, Brian Hitch, which is like an all-time series to me. Those first 24 issues, Volume 1 and Volume 2, I think those are going to just stand up forever. I mean, that was an influence, you know, for the Avengers movies today. Uh, Darker, but, (laughs) you know, they absolutely an influence. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some other Marvel series I was really into at the time, New X-Men by Grant Morrison... You know again, one of those all-time runs for me, uh, Daredevil by Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, maybe this is a little underrated uh, Paul Jenkins when he was on Keter Parker's Spider-Man for about 25 issues, very very much in my wheelhouse. And I think maybe again, one of the more underrated Deadpool runs of all time, Gail Simone on Deadpool/ slash Agent X is what it turned into. Uh, again, I just felt like the time I got into it was just a wonderful time as a Marvel fan. Um, with what you were saying, do you see an image, um, Batman, uh, you know, the one run I can remember specifically during that time period was the Jeff Loeb, Jim Lee hush storyline, which, yeah. you know, yeah. was huge.
0: That's, that's a classic. That was a classic as soon as it was published.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, but aside from that, you know, Vertigo, I would look at some of the older stuff from the nineties, like Preacher, uh some of the hellblazer stuff, transmetropolitan, um image not as much really. Now today quite a bit, but image has changed a lot in the last 10 15 years too. Um so mm-hmm. those are the series that really really got me into my passion for reading and collecting.
0: So so you know coming uh you know into high school and uh you know maybe even into our early years in college, you know, in what, what was that, 2005 or so? Yep, um, yeah. How did you get into Moon Knight? You know, I, I know that I have mentioned before on the podcast that, you know, Moon Knight, you know, some people call him Marvel's Batman. Some people say that DC, or Batman is DC's Moon Knight, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and there's always that joke going in between. But I know that for sure, as you mentioned, I grew up with Batman the Animated Series. Yep. That was my after school show, right? That's that's what that was like the thing that I could count on. I can count on Batman the animated series and a snack. Yep. And that's what I came home and, to and it was always good. It was always great and Batman the animated series went through all of 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 uh, Batman's uh, villains, and you know, I mean, I, that's where I was introduced to uh, Talia al Ghul, and that's where I was inter- introduced to Rachel yeah. Ghul, and the best rogues just,
1: gallery of any villain. I don't think you can even I, argue it, you know. Yeah,
0: no, and 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 will never be topped. Yeah. But then, you know, how did you come into Moon Knight? Who, you know, for all intents and purposes, for many people, for the you know the layman, often see him as the polar opposite of Batman. Mm-hmm. So. You know, as a Marvel fan but also as somebody that came out of Batman the animated series, what beyond say Ultimate Alliance as we saw, what drew you to Moon Knight as a character?
1: So Moon Knight was that character and you can give me your opinion on this as well. Moon Knight was that cool character who would show up in the mini crossovers or the big crossovers and you get like a little bit of a taste of him, but I didn't quite know much beyond that. I'm like, Moon Knight looks awesome. Like we were saying with Ultimate Alliance, I'm like, the the design is, I think the design for Moon Knight is like, top, I, I love the design of Moon Knight. Just very striking. So, like my first taste of him, he would just, you know, pop up here and there, you know, in other comic books. You know, he's kind of uh, placed with the street level heroes a lot of the time with Daredevil or Luke Cage or Iron Fist or Spider-Man. But he really would show up you know, anywhere. Um, and Moon Knight, for the longest time, I I know he's approaching, you know, 200 issues, but there's been long gaps of time where he had no monthly book. So when you would see him was just in, like, those crossovers or just, like, a guest appearance. So That's when I first uh, really... Th- that's where it came from with Moon Knight. It's just like, who is this? And I would love to know more about him. Because every time he shows up, I'm like, this guy's awesome.
0: <laughs> now, do you feel that, like, like with me, I mean, again, my point of initiation was that shared memory I have with you and Alex and playing that game. Had you noticed Moon Knight before that?
1: Before Marvel Ultimate Alliance?
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, had you picked him up in comics? Had you noticed, like, oh, this guy seems kind of interesting? Or was it really just kind of, eh, yeah, in those college years or maybe after, you know, the 2010s, early 2010s, that you really started thinking like, yeah, this guy's okay.
1: Um, like I said, like my exposure to him was just through like a lot of those crossovers or guessing and other titles. Um, I believe I have a couple issues. It's uh, it's Houston, right? Charlie Houston's run. Am I pronouncing that correctly?
0: Yeah, Houston. Uh, so uh, 2006 series. Yeah,
1: yeah. David so th-
0: Finch on. Uh, and and uh,
1: David uh, Finch artist. was like, I I didn't know too much about the writer, but David Finch was. A big draw for me. I believe Finch had done some work on Ultimate X-Men or one of the X-Men titles and I was very much into his art. So when I saw my Moon Knight, which again I'm saying is a character like visually very striking to me, um, I'm like I gotta check this out. And um, I remember picking up a couple issues and really enjoying it. It was just more around the time where we were in college and funds were a bit tighter and couldn't give it the focus it maybe deserved. Yeah. Um, um, but I actively remember that i'm like moon knight's a cool character that i'd like to know more about um so yeah
0: now that's something let me let me ask you this because you know we're talking probably fall 2006 so uh four or five of charlie houston's issues had been out by that point Mm -hmm. houston and finch Mm -hmm. so we're talking uh let's say september october december of 2006 Mm -hmm. it's probably issue four five or six so we're getting into the 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 second arc Mm -hmm. of um that houston series which he was only on for i think the first 13 issues and then finch continued i think mike benson continued with issue 14 and Mm -hmm. uh went on through the run of 30 um but when when we were about that age you know we were young adults and you know we were spending our money in different ways um we didn't have the benefit of digital comics now yeah in in my adult years I've found that I really enjoy having a physical collection. I really enjoy of course collecting moonlight comics. I have a, a signed Bill Sienkiewicz uh issue um that I got a, a few weeks ago that I'm really, you know, happy and excited about that I have that in my collection. I've never really been into digital comics, but our our hosts Ray and Connor, I know are are proponents of uh digital collection. So, yeah. I do wanna ask first, Matt, do you how do you feel about uh digital comics today? But also, do you since digital comics tend to be a little bit cheaper, if I'm mm-hmm. correct, yes. do you feel that if we had access to reliable digital comics on, on tablets, you know, thirteen years ago, would that have been more appealing to you, or do you still think that eh, comics wouldn't have been your thing back then?
1: Um, I think especially while we were in college in undergrad Had, you know, that been a time with iPads that we could have, you know, really had that digital access. And I'm sure, I mean, we had laptops, so we could have looked at it that way as well. Um, I think that would have helped at the time because the thing is, like, we went to college in a small town. We didn't have any nearby nearby, uh, comic book stores. Um, So that certainly would have helped. I'm someone who loves the physical comic books. I love collecting them. Um, If I have the option, I'm always going to pick physical but you, you, you
0: like collecting uh, trades too, right? Over over the floppies usually?
1: Uh, it depends. It's like now I've really gone into like the single issues again. I'm kinda like I, I like I like the single issues, but then I'm not gonna buy the trades if I have them. I will buy like the nice hardcover collected editions, like the omnibus. I love collecting those. I have about twenty five to thirty of the Marvel ones right now. Some of the classic runs, some of the the great contemporary runs, um, but yeah, it's mostly like I'll get the single issues if I can, trades if those are hard to you know track down, and then I may get you know the hardcover big omnibus edition as well if it's a run I really really enjoy or you know a, n- a nice collection of issues. So with with the digital at least, um, I think it's great to have that resource because. The fact of the matter is, there aren't a lot of comic book stores in medium to small sized towns, so you Mm -hmm. have to have a resource for people to read them, Um, and I'm a big believer in supporting your local comic book shop, but for people who really don't have uh, anything close to them, that's pretty much their option, and if if someone's going to buy more issues and support the companies and the creators, if they have it accessible to them on an iPad or a laptop... I'm behind that. I would always hope that they can coexist. I would never want it to overtake though the the physical issues and make that even more niche, you know, than what it kind of is today because, you know, comic books are a niche thing even with you know these billion dollar movies. The highest selling books aren't going over like 150,000 and there's not many above 100,000, you know. Yeah. It's a lot of dedicated readers that has kept this alive through the last 25 30 years when you know there was some of that turmoil in the 90s so Mm -hmm. i mean whatever overall helps the industry i'm behind that and it looks like right now there is a good balance with it Uh, have you seen any of the statistics on how many people are reading the majority of their comic books through digital
0: you know, only in in, uh, in brief, I saw a couple articles over the last couple weeks and, you know, I, I couldn't quote any numbers for you, but I know that it's just, it's it's kind of horrifying. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But, you know, we got to give love to our local comic shops. You know, I know that I've spoken many times about Tardy's Collector's Corner in Grand Rapids, uh, Gavin and Deanna and Abby, they just, they do a fantastic job. But Matt, I've never had the opportunity to, to visit you in, in Philly. Um, and I know that, you know, we've got, many uh, Aussie listeners and we have some European listeners and we have many American listeners, but you know uh, I'm from Michigan and and you're from Michigan originally, but you're living in Philadelphia. So could you give us a little uh, taste of what it's, what the comic scene is like in Philadelphia that, you know, the, the the city of friendly brotherhood, where do do you shop? What's it like? Do you mm -hmm. have other friends that are into comics? You know, what's your shop like? What can you tell us?
1: Yeah. I would say Philadelphia has a pretty healthy comic book scene. I can think of five stores that all seem to be doing pretty well around different areas of the city. And as far as people that I know who are also readers, uh, I was pleasantly surprised when I came to law school. This would have been five years ago now. Um, there were some people in my class of 200 that were also into comic books and actually knew their stuff. And it was a nice little thing I could share with them. And uh, actually speaking with those guys about it really kind of brought me back into uh, the road of collecting, you know, the monthly issues, not just the trades. Because I would say from about 2006 to 2012, I really was just picking up a few things. And that was just strictly by like trade or hardcover. Um, I definitely was not up-to-date on everything that was going on in Marvel's universe or DC's universe. And um, meeting these people when I came to Philadelphia uh, really just kind of brought that passion back out again and has led me on the road of, you know, I, I'd say right now, I think I'm getting about 20 things monthly. How many things are you getting, Tommy, right now on a monthly well, basis? Oh, I'm not
0: going to say that because my wife might be listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> let's, just, let's just say, like I said, I'm a little behind on my reading, but I'm enjoying what I'm getting.
1: Okay. <laughs> um, so I was going to say as well, um, the store I go to, Brave New Worlds, uh, it's an old city, um, not too far away. That's where I live as well in Philadelphia, an old city.
0: Uh, and so Brave New Worlds is the name of your shop?
1: Brave New Worlds, yes. Okay, Um, that's a cool name. Yeah, so it's maybe about four blocks east of where Independence Hall is, which could be a frame of reference for certain listeners or people who have been to Philadelphia before. Uh, It's a great store. Uh, Maybe one of my favorite stores I've been to across the country. Um, It's about a medium size. Uh, They have a pretty healthy uh, amount of collectibles that they also have for sale, which I know they, they have a fair number of people who are attracted in just for the collectibles and not even so much uh the you know the issues like like pops they got a lot of pops there's got to at least be a thousand pops in there but yeah. i but is, they, that what, is that what
0: you mean like pops and, and and like toys or what type of collectibles
1: uh yeah pops toys and they and they have really really nice um you know like the koto bokia like some of those those statues which can range in price they have um the Hot Toys, which I don't know how much you know about Hot Toys, those can be anywhere from 200 to $500 up, like very high quality. Wow. Um, Guillermo, my boyfriend, you know, um, he's not much of a comic book reader, but he is very much a collector, and his primary collecting is Disney, but uh, recently over the last couple of years, he's really gotten into some of the collectibles associated with the comic book movies, especially DC stuff. Uh, Wonder Woman, he's a huge Wonder Woman fan Justice League uh, Superman uh, so he has a lot of nice collectibles from those movies as well and um, he's gotten some of those from the store he has a very nice baby Groot like a life-size baby Groot from Gardens of the Galaxy Volume 2 that he got from the store with a nice little jacket on which I think was about a $200 item but I, I think it's one of the best things he has um, so they have a lot of great stuff in the store there too I got a Really great um, Kodobokia fine art statue of Black Panther. I don't have a lot of statues myself, but it was wonderful. I got it from the store, and uh, yeah, they've got a lot of great stuff to check out. If anyone's ever in the city, it's just worth giving a look to see all the collectibles they have on display. Along
0: now, is that is that Black Panther statue? Is that modeled after um, the Black Panther? movie like the the MCU Black Panther or is it is it a you know Marvel Knights Black Panther or?
1: so this would be based on you know just the the Marvel universe not the cinematic universe Marvel comic books um the look I would have to say comes from uh the uh the Christopher Priest run from the uh mm-hmm. late 90s mm-hmm. early 2000s yeah. and that yeah. started out as a Marvel Knight it was, it was it in the Marvel Knight imprint for a while. Then it moved over, I think, just to the yeah. normal.
0: But um, We also had a couple uh, uh, Moon Knight uh, crossover issues with, under Christopher Priest with mm-hmm. Black Panther. Mm-hmm. And given those two issues aren't the strongest, but the, the artist is awesome. I would say those that were, those are made... some of the first collectibles that I that I picked up when I really started getting into Moon Knight was, were those uh, the the Black Panther it's uh, two issues they have crossing covers too that work together it's really cool yeah I want
1: to say that is one of those uh, Moon Knight issues where he was crossing over into another title that I saw and kind of built that interest yeah,
0: yeah. I want to say that was ninety seven ninety eight yeah and uh, I, I, I've got my my short boxes here, but so cool. Hey, brave new worlds. It sounds really cool. Would you just really quickly, Matt, um, uh, walk us through. So like when you walk in the store, what do you see first? What it, what's uh, give us the you know, juxtaposition. What, what does everything look like when you walk in the store?
1: Well, I mean, when you walk in, so they have their single issues, they, they have them on the, the wall to the left. If you were to walk in on the left side, you have a huge wall, probably about like eight feet tall that they have their display set up. that stretches all the way to the back of the store. That has all the issues from all the companies. And it's assembled mostly alphabetically. So it's just nice big wall where you get to see everything displayed the moment you get in there. And on the opposite side are a lot of the collectibles. They have some of them in glass cases. And, uh, yeah, it's just, a, I, you know, I can only describe it so well. But it, it's a very nice setup. Very clean store. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, the people who are usually in there, Brian and Casey, are very nice and very helpful. Um, and they're very knowledgeable. I mean, yeah, I think you have to be when you're at a comic book store. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's nice to be able to talk to them about you know creators, some of the writers, the artists, what they're enjoying, that they're reading right now, what my own thoughts are, um, some of the classic runs they enjoyed. So you know, just a really great store. It's clean, has a lot to offer. You know, even if you're not much of a comic book fan, it's worth checking out because. I think that's one way a lot of these comic book stores are kind of adapting, you know. Not that um, sales are down that much really over the last 10 years, but it's another avenue for them to get some more money Is you're offering these collectibles. Because the thing is, maybe the movies that are just making, you know, boatloads of money right now aren't bringing in as many readers as we wish, but is bringing in interest. And people love collectibles, and that brings them in the store to buy them and, you know. If that's helping out the stores, I think that's great. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, And I do want to, you know, so we'll give some love to Brian and Casey and Brave New Worlds in the show notes. And we'll make sure that we uh, get that posted on the Into the Night Facebook page and Instagram. And um, so we do hope that uh, if you are in the Philadelphia area, you can visit Brave New Worlds and check out that shop that Matt visits. Um, Now, Matthew, you did mention too that, you know, that with a, a local comic store, uh, collectibles. Hey, that's one way that we can hook people not only in, uh, into coming into our store, but maybe even picking up issues. Yeah. And one thing that we in the Into the Night community are always trying to do is we're, we're trying to welcome people into Moon Knight. I mean, that's given the name, Into the Night, Into the Moon Knight. We want to bring people into this series. We want to bring people into this character. Uh, we've been... Um, You know, hashtag blessed prayer hands. We had artist Jason Burroughs on uh, two episodes ago at the big 50th episode. Ray, Connor and Rebecca got to interview him, um, a prolific artist, a contemporary artist. They also got a special message from Max Bemis, the current writer of uh, the Moon Knight series, which was really exciting, uh, not just for the podcast, but I think but for the character, too. And so. Uh, You know, before we dig into this trade paperback and before we get into, you know, albeit our very little white noise news, um, I think another way to uh, bring listeners of, say, Moon Knight into the night, not only into Moon Knight but also into say other really great series is to yep. hear what, what you're reading these days. Cause I know that uh, you mentioned before that you've got almost a poll of 20 issues, of, uh, 20 different titles a month, but yeah. you know, what are some of those issues that you really feel that you're reading right now that are just stellar? What are some issues that are stalwarts that even if they're not that, that good, you just, you, you really love but what What are you reading these days?
1: Um, so I'm getting about 12 things from Marvel right now. And, uh, as you know, listeners probably know there's been quite a bit uh, with relaunches again with Marvel. I mean, that's kind of the cycle of it these days. It's happening every three or four years, even less than that now. Um, yeah, every three
0: months. Yeah, <laughs>
1: we
0: got Infinity Wars starting in two months, and yeah. the Warp series, which I want to talk to you about, Knight uh, too. So, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, I've seen that, which is yeah, it's an interesting. That's an interesting mashup. <laughs> Um, but as far as titles go right now, Immortal Hulk is... So I, I love horror as well. So when I see like a nice like horror uh, tint to some of these books or it's really focused on horror, I'm always going to be attracted to that. So Immortal Hulk is going down that road right now. That's with Al Ewing. Um, I'm not sure who the artist is offhand, but it has been very good for the first two issues. Uh, Venom uh, with Donny Cates, excellent. His run on Doctor Strange was... Fantastic, I'm. I hate that he was moved off the title. Mark Wade is a great writer, and uh, I, I've enjoyed his first issues. But I really wish he could have stayed on the title even longer. But the work he's doing on Venom right now is very, very good. Worth checking out. Um, so,
0: so Donny Cates is on Venom.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: He's and, an, and I know that
1: He's you, an all star. An yeah,
0: and and I know that you mentioned you loved him on Doctor Strange too. But what what did you just very quickly I have to interrupt you? What did you think about Damnation?
1: Uh, Damnation for the most part was good. I actually, <laughs> there, so I mean, it was featured in the normal title, and then you had the miniseries on the side. The yeah. the issues in the normal title, uh, the issues in the normal title title were much stronger in my opinion.
0: You mean you mean the Doctor Strange issues? The Doctor
1: Strange issues, yeah. yeah.
0: The, the um, knee breaking and everything,
1: yeah,
0: or um, leg breaking, I guess.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Overall, I thought it was um, it was fine. It's fine. Yeah, not my favorite crossover. Um, what, what were your thoughts, especially on Moon Knight's depiction and when he was featured? <laughs>
0: You know, a lot of the Into the Night members feel like, oh, Moon Knight's being written as Deadpool. This is garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- this is such a waste of the character. And honestly, to a certain degree, I I, I have to agree. I, I didn't really like it. I will say, though, that when I saw Moon Knight pick up Mjolnir, mm-hmm. super excited, super excited. Like, I just thought that was so cool because when you think, and I don't want to digress too far, but when you think about who Moon Knight is, in that instance, and given he was written by a different uh, author off of the title, um, you know, Moon Knight's been thrown around, you know, was Moon Knight acting as Moon Knight? Was Moon Knight acting as Kanchu? Was Moon Knight acting as Mark Specter? Was he acting as Jake Lockley? Was he acting as Stephen Grant? You know, there's a, there's a lot of complication there and maybe someday we can read into that and develop yeah. a new series. But, you know, so there were moments where I was really, really happy. There were moments where I was like, eh, man, nah. yeah. you know, yeah. so.
1: I mean I didn't I didn't find yeah just the Damnation mini series issues to be Kate's best work since he started but
0: his It didn't throw you off though. No.
1: I you know the thing is when an author brings in characters from other titles or characters who aren't even having regular titles, it's always interesting to see the way they're portrayed. Because sometimes yeah. the characters that are brought in they're, they They put them in a role, they pigeon them hold them into this role. It's like you're gonna be my comic relief for these couple of issues, even if that's really you know not how you are in your own series or how you've been like depicted recently. Um, but you do have to the Bemis run has had humor to it, which I am a fan of, but yeah this this Deadpool comparison that you you brought up I find to be quite apt too. It's like you know, don't use him as Deadpool then use Deadpool. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. But then at the same time it's like, well, how how much are we going to use Deadpool? Deadpool uh the, the second Deadpool movie's coming out, you know. But and that's a that's a good segue. I given I want to keep hearing what you're reading, but yeah. ultimately that's a good segue to Secret <laughs> Avengers where we have Moon Knight again in a mm-hmm. in one of his first teams um even before original sin, which is another series that I'm, I'd love ITK to uh, discuss one day. So let's let's just uh, briefly hear a little bit more about what you're reading.
1: Um. So also, Thor just relaunched. I think for the sixth time in two years. <laughs> but um, is <laughs> yeah, actu- Thor now? Yeah. Is it
0: is it like a gelatinous blob or is it is it actually a human? <laughs> Is it a woman, a female, a male? It's Who?
1: it's back to it's Thor. It's actually Thor. You know, we're we're back to classic Thor. It's, it's the Odinson. Yeah, it's the Odinson.
0: And he has he has a golden arm now. He right? has a
1: golden arm now. And here's the thing: um, I have not been reading any Thor before this, and I've 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 been told that Jason Aaron's run, which has been going on for several years now through several different titles, because as we joked, it keeps on getting relaunched. Um, I've heard it's great. I've heard it's great stuff and I really want to pick it up in the hardcovers. So this actually was my jumping on point for Thor with Jason Aaron and I've loved the first two issues. Um, I've read some comments online that it seems to be aping Thor Ragnarok a little bit, maybe a little bit more comedy that's been in the title recently, but I love it. And the art, I am in love with the art. Mike Del Mundo, I think it is, it's great. And he is the artist. He's doing the, uh, you know The pencils, the ink, I don't know if he's doing the colors, but he's putting in a very significant amount of work on the art, and I think it's great. Um, Good. So the other titles, um, those are the big Marvel titles that I'm enjoying. I'm also getting Avengers, Black Panther, Daredevil, um, Moon Knight, of course. Um, then Image, uh, a series I like to spotlight, especially because you know, it has some relation to Moon Knight, is Gideon Falls by Jeff Lemire.
0: Yes, absolutely. Oh, just
1: top. Top notch. Top notch. Sorrentino, the art, just wonderful. That is, yeah. That is one of those series. When I get a new issue of that, it is like right at the top of the pile. I'm reading it the first yep. day I get it. And and speaking
0: mm. speaking to your love of horror too, mm-hmm. you know, and mine, you know, that's something we have in common. But it's just it's 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 interesting. It's this it's this murder mystery. It's like everything that we wanted from those criminal. You know what is it? CSI or whatever you know that (laughs) you find on TV but I mean it's like but Lemire knows how to write I mean that guy is a boss I mean everybody in the ITK community loves Lemire's run on Moon Knight from several years ago Mm -hmm. and you know Lemire's got a couple other uh pieces coming out in DC right now and it's just absolutely and Um, he has the Sentry
1: as well which I have unfortunately not read yet but I did pick up issue number one
0: yeah, so we, we talked about the Sentry issue one a, a few episodes ago, and uh, we, we had some mixed feelings on that. I really liked it, again, because uh, the Sentry uh, is presented again as this fractured character, uh, mm-hmm. which is what something that you know, people that love Moon Knight, our, our loyal loonies that are listening and our new guests, um, you know, are interested in, in Moon Knight. They, 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 he's this guy that we don't quite understand. <clears throat> and that's something, you know, so that say that's always turned me away from how to write for Superman. Really yeah. does. Um it's it's really exciting.
1: Everything I've ever read from him is just just top notch. I just hope he's not getting stretched too thin because he is on a lot of series right now. He's got he Gideon Falls, Descender, Sentry, it's just Black Hammer for uh, Dark Horse, which I've heard good things about but have not read. So yeah. Jeff, don't don't put too much on your plate. We don't want to see any of the work suffer because
0: well, he is and, on
1: this uh, stuff. It's
0: he's one of and, the best uh, writers
1: I think today. He's one of the Gideon, top writers.
0: And Gideon Falls too. You know, you find that most of the best writers are Canadian too. I don't know if you noticed that.
1: <laughs> is is Remender and, and artist, is Rick Remender Canadian? Is he on that list yeah, as well? He's yeah. one of my favorites right now
0: as yeah. well. Um, but also, uh, Gideon Falls Two has been. Uh, that the TV rights have been purchased. Oh, really? Um, yeah, we talked about that on a, a few episodes ago. I, I forget who who it is, uh, what the company is, but they're the same group that uh, is working with Guillermo del Toro's uh, "Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark."
1: Oh, okay. Um, yeah.
0: And a sci-fi series, uh, "The The Ascent" or something like that. I forget what it what it is. But anyways, the point is that Gideon Falls, you know, in publication has been out for four months. Mm-hmm. And it's already, the rights have already gone to TV. I mean, Lemire is top notch, and you know we're lucky that we had him on Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know he said that I think that you know if and when the time is right that he would come back. So that's pretty cool. That would be so, very hey, exciting. I, um, you know, in brief though, any other uh, image comics, any other DC comics that you happen to be reading this week, um, this month, I guess.
1: So DC, I am only getting two things from DC currently. Month in and month out. Um, and I guess it's not month in and month out, but Doomsday Clock, which I believe is coming out like yeah, every sure. other month right now. Yeah. Um,
0: Jeff, is it Jeff Johns, right? Jeff Johns? Yep,
1: Jeff Johns And um, Gary Frank. Gary Frank, who um, I've, he's been a great artist for a long time. I think I, that's why there's the delay, just to give him the extra time he needs on those issues. Yeah. Which is a smart decision because so far, I won't see how it all ties together, but. You know, when you're trying to make a sequel to Watchmen, (laughs) good luck. You know, and you're not going to. That's the truth. You're not going to meet that standard. But if you're close to it and you have an interesting story, then you know, go for it. Then.
0: And and that's another the thing that I love about comics is that you have, say, Watchmen. You have the true fans. You have you know the originals. That no Watchmen is done. Watchmen is Watchmen. Don't go on with it. But yep. then you have I don't know because honestly I I saw Watchmen first with you I remember that yeah uh, I I I I saw the movie before I read the series yeah you know as it goes you know as if you're of a certain age uh, same mm-hmm. thing with V for Vendetta I yeah. saw V for Vendetta before I read V for Vendetta and now I've got three or four copies of it you know mm-hmm. um, but it's just yeah there's there's some pushback you know some people want uh, this new Watchmen universe to blend into the DC universe. Some don't, and I don't know. But I, 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 I do find it really exciting. I, 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 like the idea that if you're a a, a stalwart, you say here with uh, Watchmen, you want to keep it in its own world, keep it in its own world. But if you want to be adventurous and you want to, I don't know, go into the future here, embrace Doomsday Clock, have some fun with it, and see how it's going to interplay. One thing that I really love about it is it's got yeah. Batman in it, man. Batman. Yeah. I mean,
1: Just to see Batman and, well, we're not getting into spoilers, but Rorschach, you know, Rorschach, yeah. even, yeah. you know, interacting with each other is, yeah, it, it's a treat. And we'll see if they have future interactions. But, yeah, yeah I'm you know, if you have a good idea and you have high-quality creators on the title, do it. Because here's the thing, it's not going to ruin... Watchmen. Watchmen will always be Watchmen. You know, you're not going to sully that in my mind. So if you're not a fan of what they're trying to do with it, and you know Alan Moore's a little, he's a prickly character. <laughs> he's an interesting he, man. He's, of course, he's, he's not prickly do... <laughs> both physically and figuratively. <laughs> and God bless him for it because, you know, he's, bless him. he's made some of the best work, you know, in comic books in the last 30, 40 years. So he is yeah. owed a lot, but, you know. Yeah. He he joined the company system. He created those characters in a company system, and that's just how that works. Um, yeah. If if Jeff Johns was not on it, I don't know if I would have the level of confidence. But so far, I've enjoyed what I've read. Um, and the other DC thing I'm reading right now is Deathstroke, which I believe you have that as well, don't you, Tommy? even having that in your yeah. Right?
0: Only only the 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 uh, the Deathstroke versus Batman, which is the same so for I'd,
1: me too. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I, I didn't start the Death because I think Deathstroke started. Year and a half ago, it was on issue
1: thirty for a while. It was coming out twice a month. Now I think it's just on a once a month,
0: yeah, release yeah. schedule. So i've I've been I've been collecting the Deathstroke versus Batman, which is where you know Batman finds out that. Damien is not actually his son, but Deathstro- Deathstroke is the father. And sure, so sure, we
1: yeah. know how that's going to turn out, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, everything's going to work out for Batman, and then woe is me, and blah blah blah. I'm getting married to Catwoman, so you know there's a lot of stuff happening in the DC universe. I right mean, now. good
1: for Christopher Priest though, because he was a fantastic writer on black well Panther. he still
0: is i mean christopher priest yeah. is also a legend I yeah mean, he, i mean in the marvel world you know pre-marvel knights but you know getting into that i mean christopher priest i and and again as a leading black writer too yeah um you know he's he's one of the you know glass ceiling breakers there for mm. you know i mean given um as a man but as a black man too so it's just like awesome
1: yeah and i don't know if you know this but before he was writing for marvel too he was an editor for a long time. He was a very important editor on Spider-Man titles during what I think was their peak. Uh, you know, the the mid to late 80s to early 90s. Those are some great Spider-Man stories. So he was involved yeah. with a lot of great writers and directing stories in some very interesting directions. So yeah. he, uh, that, he was known as Jim Owsley, I believe. He wasn't using the Christopher Priest Pseudonym that he has today but very very great editor as well so
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah well respect to him well hey I do think it's about time that we bring him back into Moon Knight uh, and we get into some white noise and a little bit of over the moon but before we do that we're going to take a little uh, quick break uh, from our discussion with Matthew and Matthew thank you for being here and uh, yep. we're going to hear a quick message from our collective so we'll see you in a minute <laughs> Hi, this is Phil Parrish from the Caves and Lunatics podcast, a proud member of the collective, and you're listening to Into the Night, a Moon Night podcast. Hey, welcome back, Looney listeners. Again, this is Tommy, uh, the man on the streets, guest host, while Ray is away with his wife Eve, and Connor is taking uh, much time in Heliopolis, the overvoid of the other void, uh, communing with Kanchu. Um, we're going to now enter into uh, White Noise, the news. And given today is July 16th here in the United States, um, we don't have that much news as usually goes on ITK. Um, but again, this uh, episode is going to be released about a week after the fact. So maybe some good news has come your way. And I, I do trust that if you uh, have heard some new news about uh, Moon Knight since then, I hope that while you're listening to this, that The moon is shining bright. So, otherwise, I only have two uh, quick points to let you know about. Um, First of all, we know that Ross Marquand, uh, who's of The Walking Dead, an actor, but also the motion capture actor who played Red Skull in Avengers Infinity War, which was a surprise to me. I thought it was my boy from The Matrix. Uh, He has showed interest in playing Mark Spector. That's nothing new. It's been around for several weeks, but, you know, it's still blowing up on Google News. Um, But also, uh, I do want to give a shout out uh, to two points. Um, uh, The subreddit Moon Knight uh, has been popping lately. I feel like there's been a lot more traffic on uh, that subreddit. So if you are a Reddit user, I would uh, challenge you to go to r slash Moon Knight. Jump on there. There's uh, some interesting discussion. I would, of course, encourage you to jump onto our Into the Night Facebook community. I feel that there's more lively discussion there. But the subreddit Moon Knight has some interesting things happening. Um, uh, But then also uh, Moon Knight Core on Facebook, Uh, he or she, I'm not really who who that is, but has been doing a really great job uh, posting a lot of fun memes, Uh, so I do want to give some big love and big credit to uh, Moon Knight Core. So that's really all the white news we have, not a lot going on in the Moon Knight world other than the love that we share, the moon that we share all over the world. So at this point, it's time to go over the Moon. The Moon will not tolerate your interference. All right, is welcome back. Uh, welcome to Over the Moon and our Lunar Pick. First things that we're going to do here is with our special guest, Matthew, we are going to do a little bit of a summary of the trade paperback of uh, Ed Brubaker and Mike Deodato Jr.'s Secret Avengers Volume 1 Mission to Mars. So this week's review is of that complete trade paperback, which is one of the first times that ITK has done a full trade rather than just uh, issue by issue. We're pulling a little uh, signal of doom here. So big shout out to Dave and Stu there. Um, but we are chronicling issues one through five of Secret Avengers. These were released from May through September two thousand ten. They were part of the heroic age of Marvel Comics that followed Civil War, Secret Invasion, the Siege event. Um, This trade paperback in full was written by Ed Brubaker. Issues one through four were illustrated by Mike Deodato Jr. with Will Conrad on issue two. Issues one through four were colored by Rain Beredo. Issue five was illustrated by David Aja, Michael Lark, and Stefano Guardiano. Also colored by Jose Villarubia. Letter by Dave Lamphere. Covers by Marco Djurjevic. Edited by Tom Bravewort. So at this point... Uh, Matthew, I'd love if you wouldn't mind taking a little over the moon. Tell us a little bit about this trade paperback. This is issues one through five. Do you think you can handle it? All five issues. Can you give us a, give us a summary?
1: I can give you a summary uh, courtesy of Wikipedia, which had a great summary of this, having read over these now. Um, after the events of Dark Reign and Siege, Norman Osborn was deposed as America's top cop, and his organization, Hammer, was disbanded. In response to his hand in reforming the original Avengers and staving off the Siege of Asgard, the President appointed former Captain America Steve Rogers as America's new foremost law enforcement agent, as well as dissolving the Superhuman Registration Act at Rogers' request. Captain Rogers then forms the Secret Avengers as a group of superheroes to operate under a veil of secrecy, in addition to the main Avengers team. The opening issues show the team being proactive about known threats and cleaning them up, black-op style. They are in direct opposition to a group called the Shadow Council, seemingly led by Nick Fury. In one such plot, they find a dangerous artifact, the Tentacle Crown. After some research, the group finds a link to the Roxxon Corporation, which leads to investigations of a mining site on Mars. Richard Ryder is on the case, and in his investigations, he finds another crown, the Serpent Crown. The crown possesses Nova, but he is pursued by a guardian of the crown, claiming to be a construct named the Archon, who was created by the Watchers. The possessed Nova directs Shadow Council agents into unearthing a primordial evil. Steve Rogers, with the help of the Xandarian World Mind, temporarily gains the Nova Force to take out the Serpent Crown, Nova. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, the Serpent Crown slash nova slash nova slash nova, nova. will say hey, the slash Wiki- then yeah that's nova right. possessed
1: Wiki- by the serpent crown
0: yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> exactly wikipedia thank you we honor you with all of our moon blessings always and forever and matthew i also have to thank you for pronouncing archon as archon because that's how i as i read this pronounced it and i just <laughs> It just excites me when people pronounce things the same way that I do. I guess. Yeah, I, I yeah. was
1: going to ask you about this before we started recording, but I forgot. So I'm glad we're on the same page. I, I was hopeful. Well, so.
0: Yeah, you know, because we, I, I do find in comics that you know that depending, I, I, really do think on on your dialect, you know, where you are within your own nation, but also mm-hmm. where you're in your vernacular, but also where you are within the world. If let's say you know we have a a, a comic. That is printed in English originally, written in English originally, and printed in English originally, um, and, and then it's sent to generally English-speaking countries. It yeah. really is interesting how people pronounce things in different ways. And, and something that's super special about the ITK community is that this is um, a podcast that was started in Australia yeah. by Ray and Connor, and they welcomed in Rebecca first from uh, from England, from the UK. Uh, and then they've brought in some American listeners, and I know that we have listeners from from all over the world. And so, you know, for as much as I say that it's, I, I'm excited that I, I love that you pronounce it the same way. That's that. That's not to say that I, I absolutely love how this community is 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 wholly international. It's it's mm-hmm. really exciting. So yeah. Um,
1: so Archon is you know the mid the Midwest white boys pronunciation. Uh, yeah, so,
0: yeah. Yeah. The the. The laxadaisical no class we have no <laughs> hipster to us we're just we're just a bunch of bumpkins here so yeah. that's the archive yeah. it's just nice to have somebody from home right that's what yeah. I mean
1: you know we're grouped together
0: yeah there we go so um, really you know up front this is uh, looking at a trade paperback this is a whole five issues yeah uh, released about 2010 2011. Um, artist, or excuse me, written by Ed Brubaker, you know, again, uh, a well-known uh, comics writer, especially within the Marvel community. Um, also Mike Diodato Jr. Uh, he also appeared on Original Sin several years later, which again is something that uh, Ray and Connor, Shu I'd love for ITK to look into because I love Original Sin. That was uh, one of the most important series that really, Confirmed my collecting of Moon Knight.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: something interesting, though, that I, you know, looking into, that I didn't know this before, but looking into the, the um, cover notes on my issue of Volume 1, Mission to Mars, but also doing some research, Mike Deodato or Mike Deodato Jr. is actually a Brazilian artist, Deodato Tomaturgo Borges Filio, uh, who, he's a Brazilian artist. You know, but he, as he's working for Marvel and working for other uh, companies and imprints, he goes by Mike Deodato. So I think that that's a really interesting discussion, which I don't think we're going to get into uh, here. But again, I just, you know, I respect him. I think he did a great job generally with the art, and we'll talk about that in a few moments. Uh, Another note, too, that Mike Deodato, Mike Deodato Jr., or if we go by his Brazilian name, uh, he also illustrated issue 20 of Moon Knight Volume 3, written by Mike Benson um so this was the last 10 or 11 issues of the arc that we know that was originally started by charlie houston in 2006 so those of you that are fans of the charlie houston david finch run we have seen mike deodato's art before um, but we have him in full on these first five issues uh, with a few uh, guest appearances from a few other artists so Matthew I do um, thank you for that summary. I, do, I just want to turn it over to you. At first, I mean before we go into general aspects about this issue, yeah. Is there anything you want to say generally about the genre of this issue or anything that, you know, before we go into the detail about say Moon Knight or, you know, his interactions with any of these characters, is there is there anything that that jumped out to you about the genre of this issue that that was different than other comics that you have been reading or that you've read before?
1: Um so I mean it, it fits into, you know, that that covert spy um, you know, underground assembly of heroes, which has been done plenty of times, but uh n- not like anything I've been reading lately, so it's a nice throwback and this is something I've never read before. So this is my first time with these issues and um you know, Brew I'm a big fan of Brew He's done phenomenal work uh for Marvel and then his uh, creator owned um, you know series with Image Uh, something that really stands out to me um, which I think has been getting better lately in a lot of the titles I've been reading but I will say I think was an issue for a while is just the pacing and let me say I think the pacing between these five issues and especially one through four is is really great I think uh, for a while there were some issues with writers who didn't have that control of like pacing with the action and the dialogue and just going too heavy in one one or the other i th- i think it's it's great work he did on this it read it was very easy to read it kept me engaged the end the entire time and um even even these writers who are great with dialogue and have great ideas sometimes are not presenting in the best way and there was there was a there was a nice interplay between him and diodato uh, with the art, I, I think he was a good fit for this as well. Um, that's my general impression at first.
0: Yeah. So generally, too, just to, you know, for any loony listeners that are out there that haven't read this yet, um, and w- we won't give too much away. I mean, obviously, we're going to do a, a fairly complete review, but we won't give some of the, the finer details away. Um, this is very much an espionage. This, this is just like a spy thriller. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, which I think is – Is so cool because Mm. we know as uh, ITK listeners and we know as Moon Knight fans that, you know, Moon Knight is a loner. Uh, He has an investigative aspect. Um, He has that kind of night hunter aspect. He has that, you know, a little bit with the the original Hulk appearances that he had in the uh, late 70s and and then into the 80s with his first run with Doug Mensch uh, under Bill Sienkiewicz um on the art he uh you know was and a little bit of horror um and we don't really I don't, I don't think we'd get too much horror here but it's really interesting how moon knight is brought in again under steve rogers here captain america yeah uh, and the secret avengers are like a secret spy team and I, I i thought that that was really cool and i honestly i'd love to see moon knight used in that realm again um, I really like the idea of the the, the spy action. Um, so, uh, you know, Matthew, you mentioned a little bit about how uh, Brubaker and Deodato worked really well, just the writing, um, and and also the art. Mm-hmm. And so, I guess maybe before we get too much into the narrative, um, and we get too much into that you know espionage thriller aspect, um. Let's, let's talk a little bit more about the art. So uh, yeah. whether it be the covers or any special scenes, you know, uh, given issue five is a little bit different, which I think we should highlight in a few minutes. Yeah. Um, but I, maybe within the first four issues, is you know, anything special about the art that you notice, especially regarding Moon Knight.
1: So uh, with, with Dio with Dado, he's always had a very excellent command of the use of like inks and shadows in his work. Which I think really fits well with what we're saying with like this espionage, spy thriller. You've got heroes in the shadows. It's just a really good artist to for him to be paired with for this type of story.
0: And, and you really see that honestly within the first couple pages of issue yeah, one yeah. with Valkyrie and Black Widow. Mm-hmm. The silhouettes, the shadows, the 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 mystery. The yeah. I mean, the sex that's in the air too. You know, you have to notice that.
1: <laughs> There, there is a great – I'm looking at it right now. I love the way when they introduce Moon Knight and Steve Rogers approaching him uh, about joining the Secret Avengers. There's so this, that's a
0: flashback.
1: It's a flashback, yeah, in the story. It says two weeks ago from where the, uh, the issue originally starts. And if you get the chance and to look at this again, uh, with the inks, it's them – a silhouette uh, on the edge of a building – uh, with the cape blowing past him in the wind, and it's a really this great is, yeah image. Moon
0: Knight's cape.
1: Yeah, it's a really great image, and you can see the Moon Knight emblem. You can see the Steve Rogers Captain America emblem, which is a little bit different because he's not quite operating as Captain America uh, during this series. But I, that's a good example of his use of like shadows and silhouette. There's there's another there's a couple other good examples throughout this, but.
0: Well, yeah, and, and just to speak to that image, that we have a really cool um, splash page here, honestly, because there's, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four proper panels. And the fourth panel, this is, uh, I, I wish I could tell everybody, maybe 10 pages in or so. And these I have a a hardcover of this trade paperback, so it's a little bit, the pages are a little bit different. But uh, Ant-Man and Moon Knight are working together. Ant-Man mm-hmm. has a single image. Ant-Man is... Uh, using his pin particles, Moon Knight's in the silhouette, and then you have this just badass uh a close-up of Moon Knight's cowl and his face mask and these glowing blue eyes. Yep. But then that f- that fades into this flashback where it says yep. two weeks ago with the Avenger symbol. Love and as it. Matthew as Matthew was talking about, you see the you know the, the this dark profile of an apartment building, a fire escape, these uh, New York City water towers for water pressure. The mm-hmm. the city in the background, and and Moon Knight's, Moon Knight's cape is blowing into the wind, but it's blowing away from Captain America, and that's what I love. Yeah. And and Moon Knight's posture—he's he's strong. His his chest is out, and he's saying, "Teams and me, we don't work. Exactly. Too many voices." Yep. And then. You know, Steve Rogers is standing stout behind him, but Moon Knight's cape is blowing the other way. And I just love that. I love the idea that maybe there is this continuity. Maybe there is this idea that Moon Knight, even though he's going to agree to go into this mission, or he's going to agree to this team for twenty one issues or whatever, he's always blowing in the other Direction because Kancho is always pulling him. Vengeance is always pulling him. Some other thing is always pulling him. So, yeah. Matt, I'm really glad that you pil- pulled that page. It's really, really cool. Yeah, I mean, and the I,
1: shadows there. It's just great. It's a, it's a great example of the art is not just communicating action or someone standing somewhere, but like you said, the way they're laid out in that panel and the silhouette, it communicates a lot about who they both are, him approaching him. See Rogers from behind, Moon Knight with his back turned, looking out into the city. It's it, those are great details, and the art really expresses you know those character traits for you to let you know this is who this person is um, just based on it, it. It's wonderful. It's great.
0: Yeah. Because, you know, we get so much of, of Steve Rogers and Iron Man. I know that, you know, within the, the modern era, the contemporary era, we see that in the movies. Yep. And we're seeing a lot of that in the comics. And we, we, honestly, we've seen a lot of that in the comics for the last 30 years, I'm sure. Um, but I like the idea that, that Moon Knight is Steve Rogers' greatest challenge. And again, <laughs> it's probably not true, but just, I think He's Moon Knight is the greatest challenge
1: of issue one.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. He's, but he's like the. I mean, Moon Knight honestly is the greatest challenge for everybody, including himself. But just yeah. this idea that that, that that I don't know. There's, there's something. There's something always interesting. Something always mysterious about Moon Knight. Like Steve Rogers, we know who he is. Tony Stark, we know who he is. Yeah. But Moon Knight, even with yeah. Max Bemis's uh, recent introduction of of of, of 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 explicating the Khonshu... Uh, aspects and, and, and trying to understand how gods work and this and that, we still don't know who he is. And that's something that I feel like is so precious about that character within the Marvel Universe. So
1: Yeah, there's still so much to go with him, And this may be a little bit too much of an aside, but Ant-Man and Moon Knight together, I would love to see them have a team up, whether that be in the regular series or a miniseries, because the back and forth in their scene, uh, it was great.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you know, Ant Man and Moon Knight do have a few really great uh, scenes here, but this is not uh, the Ant Man that most people know. This yeah. is not Hank Pym, yep. nor is it uh, Scott Lang. Mm-hmm. This is actually um, Eric O'Grady, who was a former member of the Thunderbolts yep. during uh, the Hammer routine. Uh, just previous to the heroic age. And so, you know, I don't know too much about uh, Eric O'Grady. Matt, do you know much about him?
1: I really, I don't either. It's like when I saw this, I'm like, oh, we're dealing with Scott Lang here. And then I'm like, oh, so he's coming from, you said it was Thunderbolts, right? Or was he just affiliated with Hammer?
0: No, he, uh, so Eric O'Grady was, um, he, in the, I think it's the siege event,
1: okay, uh,
0: and secret evasion where Norman Osborn uh, basically takes over Shield, yeah, and yeah. then he forms the Thunderbolts, which is a series that has continued. But they, the Thunderbolts originally started as basically like the evil people's version of the Avengers, yeah, to a certain yeah, degree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but then basically Eric O'Grady is redeeming himself so there's a lot of scott lang in him in the sense that like oh i'm this guy that has to redeem myself i have to use these powers to make good but um eric o'grady and i i as far as i know at least in recent years i haven't seen him present as ant-man yeah i don't know too much about him really the only eric grady i've read is in the secret avengers A run yeah. which i've enjoyed um so yeah that's that's about all i know about him
1: yeah i mean if this for scott lang if we just did everything the same way and just said he was scott lang i feel like he'd be portrayed the same way (laughs) with with the humor and everything but it definitely made me interested to like look into you know what what has he done that he needs this redemption and steve rogers thinks enough of him to have him come onto this team and he is a key member of the team so yeah yeah
0: but also witty enough to keep up with Mark Spector and Moon Knight. You yeah. Know, given that Moon Knight is written a little bit differently here because, you know, we get a little bit of the the vengeance of the Moon Knight from the 2009 run. This is, uh, I think, I'm pretty sure that the Secret Avengers run preceded um, Bendis. Yeah, it definitely preceded Bendis' run because I think Bendis started in 2011 with Moon Knight. Um, but this is, you know... Moon Knight's the one that's always tossed around. So, yeah. So hey, uh, you know, we were talking about just shadows and um uh Mike Deodato's art and how mm-hmm. it worked really well. Any other special scenes that you want to comment on regarding Mike Deodato's art, um his work with shadows, uh I mean specifically related to Moon Knight given that we have some limited runs here in in the first four issues.
1: Um you know, some of uh, Diodato's splash pages are uh, very impressive. Um, you know, after the first issue, I, I could review these again, but um, Moon Knight's his, his next big appearance is when he's paired with Black Widow and Valkyrie, when uh, Nova, who's been possessed, is running amok on Mars, mm-hmm. and we get to see a little action there. Um, so I, I like the way he was portrayed again. Um, he has a good... He is a good fit for drawing Moon Knight. You know, uh, the darkness, the shadows—it just it works great. And throughout, you know, these issues, I think he does a, a great way of portraying him um, artistically.
0: Yeah, I would, I would absolutely agree. And you know, the cool thing is, I I love the idea of Moon Knight being on a spy team and being on a a spy space team. (laughs) You know, I think this is so cool. We're going to Mars, guys.
1: We're going to Mars on a spy mission.
0: We you know we get that again in Original Sin where he's paired with Bucky Barnes. Um, you know if any uh, listeners out there haven't checked out the Original Sin run, absolutely check it out. I mean Moon Knight is underutilized in that run, but I just I love that. I think it's a lot of fun. I think the art's really interesting. Um, but I I would completely agree that Mike Diodato's style here. Which you know the lines are so clear cut, but then these 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 shadows and the gradients are so deep. Mm-hmm. I think that that I would absolutely agree that that really comes in with Moon Knight. There's this great splash page. I'm trying to find the issue, so I think it's issue two. Again, we're in the the paperbacks here. But it's issue two. Um, uh, Steve Rogers and Moon Knight are fighting. That uh, Moon Knight has given Steve Rogers some information about. Uh, what has been happening within this uh, Martian base, and they start getting into this fight with these, uh, you know, sol- these Shadow Council sh- soldiers. Yeah. And there's two great panels of Moon Knight. The first is this great that spans across two pages, and uh, Steve Rogers and Moon Knight are fighting, and, and Moon Knight is doing really like a kung fu move. Yeah, I mean, karate he's all up in, in the, the air. air. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know he's he's out of his spacesuit. He doesn't have his cowl on, but he has this face mask and this this like fitted bodysuit. And it's just it, I don't know that adds a dimension to Moon Knight that I think is really interesting. And then there's this great smash out panel that's offset um, on a weird angle where Moon Knight simply says agreed uh, <laughs> down the lower. And then, and, the, and then if you take a look at that, don't you love that there, sound effect too? Bizzats. Yeah. bzats. <laughs> the onomatopoeia there. It's just, it's bzats. Like, I don't know. Like, how does a punch make that sound? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. It's on but, Mars. Um, there's
1: different rules.
0: Exactly though. Right. You know, and that's the thing that I love about Moon Knight is that he shouldn't have rules. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, if you take like the Jeff Lemire run, that was an entire series based upon rules that nobody understood. And, you know, we were, were we real? Were we not real? Were we actually in an asylum or were we in a mental hospital or were we in Mark's mind? Was he making up the rules? Was somebody else making up the rules? Was the universe making up the rules? Was, were the gods making up the rules? We didn't know what was going on. It was kind of like Hamlet, you know, just everything is up (laughs) in the air. But here, I I love the idea that whenever you're using Moon Knight just like just make it look cool. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to make sense. It just has to look cool. It's, and that's it's I, fun. That's fun. I love that. Yeah. I absolutely love that. All right, so we talked a little bit about art um and uh why don't we uh touch a little bit about uh and we spoke a little bit about the espionage action, but how about the idea that of Moon Knight being on a team? So um, I think both of us came into Moon Knight where he was a, uh, a solo character. Yeah. Um, and you know, we've had various experiences seeing Moon Knight on a team, obviously with damnation. We, we spoke about that a little bit earlier where he was on a team. Mm-hmm. Um, and we mentioned that, um, but what, I mean, what did you think? You know, no, you your understanding of Mark Spector, Jake Lockley, Stephen Grant, Moon Knight, the Conchu aspect. Mm-hmm. Seeing Moon Knight here, where Conchu is not a thing, where Jake Lockley is not a thing, where Stephen Grant is not a thing, it's just Moon Knight. And Mark Spector is not a thing. It's just Moon Knight. Yeah. Right. We. I want to. I have a couple questions. First, do you feel he ever has a place on a team? Two, do you feel that you saw any of his other identities? in this character, or was it just a flat Moon Knight written by Ed Brubaker? Uh, But I think also, do you think he should have been on this team or like, should somebody else that would have, like it's, it's Moon Knight. He's a street level character, you know, for, for, for most readers, you know, why was he on this intergalactic one? I guess not intergalactic, but why was he on this interplanetary team? So what are your thoughts about that? Why was Moon Knight here?
1: Why was Moon Knight here? Well, he looks cool number one, but I, I mean, let's let's think again about when Steve Rogers approaches him, he's like I, I need you as a part of this team you may not want to you may not be seeking it out, but I know you have value to us, I know you have certain skills, I know you have that bravery, I've seen you in action before you could be an asset here, especially because a lot of, of, of Moon Knight is about as we said, harnessing the shadows, the secrecy sneaking he, he's a fit for espionage you know for not being detected <laughs> when we were talking about uh him and ant-man when they're first introduced in their action scene uh the first time we see moon knight is coming down from the ceiling his legs are up there and he's just grabbing that security guard's neck and like whipping him up which yeah. is a, a very fun visual to introduce him for the first time
0: Really, and if we could just digress for a second, that that is totally badass. Like, I, I, I seldom do we see that, honestly. Like, it, honestly, the first time that you see Moon Knight, as Matthew's talking about here, if you uh, if you happen to have the trade paperback or the issue, this is, you know, the first issue of Secret Avengers at Brubaker, Mike Dionato. Let's see, uh, page one, page two, page three, page four, page five, page six, page seven. A page, Did I skip over one?
1: Roxanne corporate headquarters, Wilmington, Delaware, and those poor security guards just going yeah, so through the door. So this is building. like it's it's
0: like yeah, it's like page ten, but Moon yeah. Knight is, is is coming down from like an AV <laughs> and a, and vent the, or something and like the that. The cape
1: coming down too. It's like, <laughs> yeah,
0: it's 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 more like the cape, his his cowl and his cape is enveloping. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, the guard more than Moon Knight himself. Yeah, and yeah. Eric O'Grady's Ant-Man is there, but, but for sure. It's just so cool. And, and again, we already talked about the next page where the way that Diodato drew uh, uh, Moon Knight's cowl, it's just it's so menacing. It has mm-hmm. that bird beak. It has that Khonshu beak that was adapted after Vengeance of the Moon Knight. Uh, it's just this pointed cowl, and it's just hanging over with these blue eyes. So for sure. I interrupted you, but I yeah. Yeah. It's it's... a really cool few scenes.
1: Yeah, I mean, just a very, very cool intro. Uh, I'm sure that came from Brubaker's writing. i would be interesting to see like what direction he gave Diodato as the artist for how to portray that. But if it was one or both or whatever, it was a very fun intro for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe one of the other questions you asked was the portrayal of Moon Knight. And, you know, clearly you know more about Moon Knight than I do. I'm, I'm learning in a lot of ways still. But... He seemed more to just be Moon Knight, not Mark Spector, Jake Lockley, any of you know the other personalities. It was just him. I don't want to call it a flat Moon Knight because I don't think he, he wasn't presented in a flat way. But it just seems like this is Moon Knight. I don't think we ever see his face in these four issues. I can't recall that. Do we ever see him unmasked? I don't think so.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, and that's the same thing that we see with uh, Damnation. Too with mm-hmm. Kate's domination is the is the idea that well we're using this character Moon Knight we're not using the character of Moon Knight in the <laughs> sense that he is Mark Spector he is Jake Lockley he is uh, Stephen Grant um and and perhaps now with the Max Bemis run he is now Conchu right? yeah uh but he's just Moon Knight he's just this flat character
1: do you think which, these these writers ever think it's like all right I'm gonna keep him in the costume the entire time because the moment i take the mask out of him i've got to give him a little more depth you know but if i can just keep him in the costume i can just use those aspects i want that serve my story which is fine you know but it's like by by leaving him in a costume he's not quite as you know as developed as a character Isn't, isn't
0: that's the interesting thing about moon knight he's less mysterious with a mask on Right, so <laughs> yeah. most 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 people and most most heroes or most villains are more mysterious when they have their mask on. But the thing about Moon Knight is that he's more mysterious when he has his mask on because you don't know who he is. Mm-hmm. So and or who he could be, I guess that's that's the better way to put it. Yeah, it's like what personality
1: is in control yeah. right now.
0: Yeah. So you know, to your question, I think that the the writer here, Ed Brubaker, he must have done some research. He must have some knowledge and, you know, to the editor's credit, they must have put some work forward. Um, but I think that you're absolutely right in the sense that in this story, much as in original sin, which again, looning listeners, check that out. Personal favorite, love original sin. But again, Moon Knight is used in a flat way. He's a single character We love our character of Moon Knight because in an individual comic issue, he can be four, perhaps even five, different people or different things. But when he is used, say, in an Avengers, Secret Avengers here, or when he's used in Original Sin, or when he's used in these collective uh, issues, if you go way back to uh, West Coast Avengers from uh, the 80s, you know he's just Moon Knight, and and you might see some strange aspects about him, but at the same time he's just eh, he's just this guy that has this white hood and this white mask. So I think that we you know within um, Secret Avengers, honestly for most of the run, and you know not to ruin Secret Avengers uh, Volume Two and Volume Three, uh, the former by Ed Brubaker, Mike Deodato, uh, the the latter by Warren Ellis with. Several different artists: McKelvey, Walker, Aha, Lark, Malieve, Eminem. Um, I think that at least within this first volume, uh, Mark, uh, excuse me, Moon Knight is just he's Moon Knight. That's it. There's there's no depth to his character except the yeah. fact that we know that at the beginning, as Matthew, you introduced him uh, several minutes ago, when Steve Rogers asks him to come onto the team, and his cape is blowing into the wind. Uh, We know that he's mysterious. We know that he has perhaps killed people. We know that he's damaged people. We know that he's trying to change his ways. All we know is that he's a good fighter. All that we know is he's good at getting in and out pretty quick. Um, You know, so I think that it's a little unfortunate that uh, Brubaker doesn't make use of the multiple personalities, but I still love the fact that Moon Knight is getting some spotlight within trade so i think that's pretty cool
1: yeah and has you know some nice highlights in these issues really you know mm-hmm. I, he's one of the standout characters from the first issue especially
0: yeah I'd, I'd say i'd say in the first issue and and before we started recording though matt you you and i were talking about oh is it at the top of issue three is that it
1: yeah yeah so
0: the the of secret avengers have arrived on mars now, where is it that yeah i think it's at the top of uh, issue three because at the end of uh, issue two of secret avengers volume one here moon knight is sent on a side mission with black widow and valkyrie again they're on the surface of mars trying to find out nova uh richard rider who is now under the control of the serpent crown uh but then at the beginning <laughs> the very beginning of – well, not the very beginning of issue three because we learned a little bit about Aloysius uh, – what's his name? Aloysius, Aloysius. Thorndrake. Aloysius Thorndrake, <laughs> who name. we learned becomes like the eternal leader of the Shadow Council. Um, but we – Former member uh, of the
1: Confederacy, of course. Of yeah, course. right.
0: Um, But if you go to like the, let's see, what is this? This is the one, two, three, four, five, the sixth page of issue three of Secret Avengers volume one, Valkyrie is just throwing down. She's going all out. Again, we are on the surface of Mars. She's throwing down against um, shadow council members. She's talking to Steve Rogers through some com link. And then uh, Steve Rogers says, on your own, what happened to Black Widow and Moon Knight? And then Valkyrie simply says, they fell quickly. <laughs> this Nova has much power more than he should. And then in the background, you see Blackwood, when Nova er, just and, and out. just sprawled out, like, like they are dehydrated. It's like, they've been to like Lollapalooza and haven't had any water for three yeah, days. They're, they're, they're strung out. They're looking out.
1: pretty rough there. <laughs> yeah.
0: There's just, <laughs> there's, there's no hope for them, which at the same time, Hey, Valkyrie is straight out of Asgard. Moon Knight might be of the god Kanshu we don't really know, and Black Widow might be a super spy, but they're both still human, and they're on the surface of Mars. They have
1: power limitations compared to some of the heavy
0: hitters. Which I actually really appreciated that. I like this idea that, hey, we have these two regular humans that are badass in every other way, but wait a minute, you're on the surface of Mars and you just got your butt kicked, you know? So. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, and I, li- I like that too. You know, sometimes there's just too much inconsistency with like power levels and what people are capable against other certain, you know, antagonists, villains. I love what they did with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like they fell quickly. This is Nova and we have Valkyrie of Asgard. It's like these are the heavy hitters right now. It's like yeah. if you guys yeah. weren't able to get out of the way, you were gonna be uh, you know, taken care of very quickly as they were.
0: Yeah. And honestly, I and mean, we could we could talk more about the the trade and we can talk more about the, the first four issues and, you know, given issue five is, is very much a departure. It's more of almost like a flashback where Steve Rogers learns a little bit more about, um, Nick and, and, and perhaps the secret secret clone, which again, as, uh, I think we can jump into this. um, Um, Matthew, you and I, before we started recording, we we talked a little bit about how you had never read this uh, Secret Avengers Mission to Mars before. You had really never read the Secret Avengers series before that started in in 2010, 2011. Yeah,
1: no, this was was the first time, and this would have been during a period where I wasn't doing much reading, uh, especially of Marvel. It's like I was just keeping up with uh, some trades and hardcovers from other things. Um, So, yeah, I had not read this before.
0: Yeah. So as we, as we kind of broach into um, some ratings here, uh, you know, of, of what you thought and, and, and what you liked, I, I think I'd, any final comments about, you know, did this encourage you to continue reading, um, you know, what you thought generally about the use of Moon Knight, you think that you'd be interested to see how Moon Knight is continued to be used by Brubaker in the future. And then Warren Ellis in the third volume of this. Um, so as we come into our moon ratings, uh, we are now moving, as I, an ITK community, moving into um, uh, getting new moons for eh, just absolute garbage. Uh, quarter moons, half moons, three-quarter moons. That's where we're starting to get into that you know, four out of five rating, formerly the four crescent darts out of five crescent darts. And then, of course, the full moon. And then the blue moon for just an absolutely excellent uh, issue, or in this case, a trade paperback. So uh, Matthew, what I'd love for you to do is give me a rating, um, mm-hmm. you know, using the, the moon schedule here, but also give me some comments, you know, why was it, you know, did, did, do you feel that this trade would continue your reading? I, I, you know, I know that you bought the Omnibus, uh, but, you know, generally tied to Moon Knight and the use of Moon Knight, how would you rate this trade?
1: Um, so I'm going to give this uh, three uh, three out of four moons. Three-quarter okay. moons. Three-quarter moon. Um, you, you so
0: three-quarter moon. So that's like a four out of five Crescent darts. Yeah, yeah. That's, so that, that's the of, equivalency
1: right. we'll go with. Um, I mean, I'm kind of rating this in two ways. Like the story itself and then Moon Knight's place in it. Because um, really his his, his big feature is in that first issue. And then he has the nice uh, the fight with Steve on Mars. Which, you're right, it has an excellent splash page. He has some fun dialogue. Really love the way he's illustrated. And he doesn't have the cowl on. It's kind of like more tactical for the circumstances. Um, Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, three quarters of a moon for this. Um, The story itself, uh, a full moon. Can I do a split? (laughs) It's like three quarters of a moon for moon night. But if I'm just judging it, uh, entirely by itself. It's a full moon. Is that allowed? Louder... Really?
0: like So like a full score. You love this. You love the story.
1: I, I thought it was very fun. And like I was saying, the pacing is great. Um, it, it, there's something to be said, especially because, you know, I had not read this before and only knowing so much about where these characters were at this point in time. And I was still, you know, up with everything. And the way he presented them had just enough depth. That you know, I could get the motivations of everyone and had a good idea of like where they were at, but I didn't have to you know deal with being bogged down by a lot of you know side material or exposition. It's like there's nice pacing to this. This is a fun spy espionage thrill. We're going to Mars. It's like how could that not be fun? And he keeps it yeah, fun for sure. The action's great. For sure. So yeah, it's yeah. a full moon. It's a full moon for the story. For Moon Knight and his involvement and some some great splash pages, some great art, you know, some really fun lines, especially when he's with Ant-Man, I'm going to give three-quarters of the Moon.
0: Yeah. That Eric O'Grady. But, you know, certain turned to Scott Lang. Yeah. yeah. soon turned to Paul Rudd. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I feel a lot of, you know, Paul Rudd's Ant-Man, I feel a lot of that in this Eric O'Grady character. And as we mentioned, yeah. neither of us are really familiar with that version, uh, but... Given Scott Lang has been in comics for a while, but I I really feel that maybe Paul Rudd pulled a little bit from Eric O'Grady, maybe from this, which is cool. Well, I'd say that honestly, you know, when it comes to Moon Knight and the use of Moon Knight, I'm going to give this a a quarter moon. I really wish that we would see Moon Knight used in um, a better way within these team groups. Uh, recognizing that, you know, every time he's in a team, he says, I don't really work well in a team, you know, that's not how I roll, you know, whatever. And we see that a bit in the Bemis, you know, he doesn't even work well as a team with all of his different personalities.
1: Tough score, um, tough
0: score. Yeah, I know, tough score. But I would, I would, you know, somewhat agree that as as a reader, when I first read this, I, when the first, when I picked this up, I remember reading it all the way through, and reading it all the way through another time. And I really enjoyed it. So I would give this a three-quarter moon, too, just for the story. Uh, I think that Ed Brubaker and, as we mentioned, uh, Mike Deodato Jr.'s um, shadows were really captivating, especially for that espionage um, uh, genre. Mm-hmm. I thought it was yep. really, really fun. Um, and and it, it's just, it, it, it kept me wanting to read, uh, as you mentioned before, and, and moving into the second trade and the third trade. So I'd say that you know, as a you know a Moon Knight lover, as, as you know the way that it's used, the way that the the trade used Moon Knight, and the way that Brubaker used Moon Knight, I'd say quarter moon. I wasn't really happy, even with the cool scenes, um, but he just really wasn't used that well. Um, but as a story as a whole, three quarter moon. I would absolutely recommend Secret Avengers: Mission to Mars. Uh, whether you read it in the floppies issues one through five or the trade paperback, or as Matthew collected the omnibus, which collection collects issues one through 12, one through 12. I so it's an yeah.
1: omnibus uh, paperback. The one I have still paperback, but it's the bigger like collected edition. So I believe I have one through 12 of secret Avengers.
0: Yeah. So I'd, I'd absolutely love that. And if anything else for our loony listeners, I'd say that in the last couple pages, uh, issue number 5 is a little weird uh in the sense that it's more of almost like a flashback it's it's kind of explaining the the the, um, the background the Shadow of Council. Nick,
1: Nick Fury and his involvement in the story. Yeah,
0: the yeah. the background of Nick Fury and his involvement. But in the last uh couple pages uh the Shadow Council is looking at the the individual members of the Secret Avengers and if you might notice that The art that was used on the penultimate page, but also the ultimate page of uh, issue five, so of the trade, for Moon Knight is modeled after Bill Sienkiewicz's original art, which I think was really cool. So uh, for new listeners, Bill Sienkiewicz was, um, for all intents and purposes, basically the original Moon Knight artist. Um, He's the guy that designed uh, the cowl. He designed the mask. He designed the cape. He designed... Uh, the whole outfit, and those last two pages of that issue are almost an homage. I don't know if that's uh, intentional or not. I'd love to talk to the artist about that, um, but it's it's essentially an homage to Bill Sienkiewicz's original art of Moon Knight, and uh, th- the cool thing about that is that it gives this level of mystery. It gives this level of um, darkness, but also this level of say, um, Mystery, I guess, just uh, uh, to the character, which again piggybacks off of this whole espionage genre. Which I, I have to say, you know, the the second volume, I know, itk will get into it one day. Uh, Ed Brubaker again, Mike Deodato Jr. again, Eyes of the Dragon, I loved it. Uh, but Secret Avengers, run the mission, don't get seen, save the world. These are the five or uh, five or six last issues of that run. These are written by Warren Ellis. Uh, they're uh, uh, illustrated by McCalvey, Walker, Aha, Lark, Malieve, Imanen. One day we'll get into those. So those are some of the most exciting um, images of Moon Knight because that's really bringing Moon Knight into this new decade, which now is the teens, which are almost over. But I'll tell you, Secret Avengers Volume 3, there's some really cool action in that first series uh, with Moon Knight. So I look forward to, to discussing that with you so hey Mooney Missives this week Um, we don't have much Facebook feedback because again because of the special uh, circumstances again we want to give our best love to host uh, Ray and his partner Eve on the arrival of their child we do hope that both of you and the sweet baby are well and Connor Shue uh, we hope that you are also doing well as you're traversing the Heliopolis and the Overvoid also want to give a big shout out to my buddy Matthew Matthew, thank you for coming tonight. No problem. Glad to, to be here. Yeah. Um, and thank you for giving your time. It's always great to talk to a, a, you know, a, a fellow comic lover, but also somebody that is interested in art and interested in story and also dedicated to their local uh, comic store. So we absolutely are going to give some love uh, to Matthew's local comic store, Brave New Worlds in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, as always, I got to give some love to uh, Tardis Collectors Corner in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, my boy Gavin and his wife Diana and their buddy Abby always do a really great job. And um, we thank you for listening to uh, ITK. It's a bit of a long episode tonight, but we do hope that you had a good time. Um, and please note that you can always catch us on all the regular podcast uh, catchers, whether that be. Um, on Stitcher or on iTunes, um, you can also add us on Instagram, Tumblr, YouTube. Just search for "Into the Into the Night," a moon uh, excuse me, "Into the Night," a Night podcast. Um, and you can catch us on Twitter at ITK moon Knight. Um So, Matthew, may I ask you? Uh, yes. Our usual, uh, usual outro. It's down at the bottom of the the prompt sheet. Would you okay. be willing to give that to us tonight?
1: Yes. Prompt me to when I'm supposed to say that.
0: (laughs) Right now is fine.
1: Right now? All right. May Khonshu watch over the denizens of the night. Good night.
0: Moon Knight and affiliated characters, stories, and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.